Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Welcome back to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. I am Drew Hubbard here as usual with Josh Boland. And unfortunately, like usual, I hate having to give these updates. I feel like one day it's going to stop. But unfortunately, we have more COVID-19 updates, um, this time on the NWSL side of things. Uh, the league did just announce that they would be postponing training until May 5th. Um, and in that same announcement, they did say that they were eyeing a late June starting date for the 2020 season, which is something MLS hasn't done. And I know, Josh, you said that you really wanted MLS to have a starting date or a date to point your finger at to get ready for the 2020 season. So do you think it was a smart move by the NWSL to do something like this, or do you feel that it was more wishful thinking on their part? Uh, I think it was, I think it's an interesting choice for sure. Um, the Actually, you know, the more that... I've thought about it since we talked last week. Um, I'm kind of of the mind that we're just not going to get any sports at all the rest of this year, uh, which sucks to say and kind of sucks to think about. But I think we're moving so much closer towards that than really starting back up. So I think it's an interesting choice um, just to kind of – I'm not – I don't want to say they're misleading their fans and, and those who follow the league, but it just kind of seems um, – kind of fickle to try to pinpoint a date with so much uncertainty still surrounding the world at this point. Yeah, I think as every day goes by, I'm growing more and more pessimistic that sports are going to happen at all this year. I did see where Korean baseball is really trying to get their season in. Uh, they're making players, while they're, they're playing scrimmage games, and while they're playing, they're making their players wear masks. Um, but if any of the players test positive for COVID-19, they would just like suspend the season for two weeks. And I don't know if a league in the States would go that far, though. I mean, with Korean baseball trying for it, I'm, I'm sure MLB is keeping a real close eye on it. Because, uh, you know, what it comes down to, baseball is really the most sort of spaced out sport, at least contact oriented sport of all the, the major leagues. So here in the States. So, um, you know, if, if, if it works out in Korea, I'm can definitely picture MLB trying something, but you see these questions raised, you know, on Twitter, on the internet, wherever you're, you're getting your sports fix. These questions raised about, well, that sounds great, but what happens when just one person tests positive for the virus? Because then you just got to go back to square one. You got to shut it all down again. And I can't imagine any U S league going to that length and, going up until that point but i guess we'll find out yeah i'm the same mood as you i think the last thing any league wants to do is get started get this whole thing going and then someone tests positive and have to start all the way back over so um it seems more and more like we might not have sports at all this year 
But on a much better note, uh, the first MLS game was played this day in 1996. The San Jose Clash in D.C. United and ESPN was showing a lot of classic MLS games today to honor the 25th anniversary. Uh, Josh, did you get to watch any of those games going back to the old days in 96? Uh, I got to pop in on the live feed of the original match a little bit today on Twitter, which had uh, Bill Hamid, Eric Winalda, David Goss, and Jeff Agoose, I think was his last name. I can't remember. I didn't really recognize him, to be honest. But um, it was cool to, to hop in on that feed and, and hear them commenting on the game, especially because Winalda scored the the only goal in that game, and I believe Agoose was playing as well. Um, so it was really cool to just hear them commentating on it and uh dave goss was asking them a lot of really good questions about uh, some of the other players involved and um i thought it was a really cool thing to do especially with it being the 25th anniversary of that game yeah i popped in on a little of that um it was super interesting to hear bill hamid and his view on it seeing how the league has developed from 96 until now and i watched the first ever mls cup final between la and dc um, LA blew a 2-0 lead, and DC came back and won in sudden death overtime and extra time, which I did not know was a thing, but I was a big fan of it. Uh, it kind of had this like hockey feel going on in MLS. Yeah, a lot of, lot of crazy, almost want to say gimmicks for the league very early on between that and the penalty shootouts and trying to really Americanize the game and grab some extra attention. So things were definitely different back then at the very beginning of the league. Yeah, yeah, like the clock ran backwards, um, but it was really cool. Though. I was a big fan of it. It was cool looking back and seeing what MLS used to be like. Um, but yeah, MLS celebrating 25 years, and we thought, what better way to celebrate 25 years of MLS than naming our top 25 players in MLS, uh, which we got super lucky. I honestly didn't even know that this was the 25th anniversary today until I got on Twitter and started seeing all the stuff about the old games. Yeah, this is a definitely a nice coincidence for us at the time of uh, recording this podcast for you guys. But I will go ahead and start. Um, and I want to preface the kind of way I approach this. So this is the, the top 25 current MLS players. This is not from all 25 years or anything like that. Definitely just present day. A uh, couple of factors that I used in making my list. I wanted to represent every position. So there are going to be a handful of goalkeepers handful of defenders at the least um lots more midfielders and attackers because of the goal scoring and assists and all the all the things all the things they do to grab people's attention so that was a heavy factor I wanted to represent all positions the other part of it too is i only base this on their mls tenure um so for example chicharito as great as he's been overseas in europe and for mexico on the international stage he's not on this list um, and then I also took into account um, current form as well. So uh, that, that factors into things just a little bit. Another example I'll use is on this list is someone like Chris Wondolowski, who is in the twilight of his career. This would be his last year. Um, hopefully he, he gets the proper send-off he deserves. But as the all-time uh, leading goal scorer in the league. I felt he deserved to be on this list. And the man is still producing double-digit goals every single year, which is impressive in and of itself. So that's the preface for my list. With that being said, in 25th for me is, fittingly enough, Bill Hamid, goalkeeper for DC United. Um, again, I wanted to represent goalkeepers in this. And right now I feel that he is 
the best, if not one of the best, shot stoppers in the league. And while that's not a main focus of goalkeeping anymore, it seems, with how much keepers are required to play with their feet, I definitely felt it was necessary to include him on this list just because um, he's just so talented and, and he's so good at the shot-stopping aspect of being a keeper. And he's been such a regular performer for DC United since starting with them, I think it was in 2009 or 2011. So it's been almost a decade, if not over a decade, that he's been such an important part of that team. So he is my 25th player. Who do you have at 25? Yeah, um, as you will see as we keep going on this list, we have two very different standards by measuring our top 25. So I'm really excited about the rest of this list. Um, but at my 25th, I have none other than Diego Chara coming from Portland. Um, and as you will see as we keep going on through this list, I very much value silverware, more specifically MLS Cup. That's the trophy that sticks out to me. Um, so him being a champion with Portland in 2015 was a really big deal. Added on to a really, really impressive resume. Um, he just seems, he's always one of those guys that Portland isn't as good of a team without him. And I know that sounds simple, but Portland went on a 27-game winless streak without Chara in the lineup. Um, so between him having that silver rare and being such an influential player on a championship team in 2015 and their runner-up run in 20. 18, um, that got him the nod at 25 for me. Yeah, I've got Chara on my list, albeit he's way up higher. Uh, one more thing before we continue, though, just want to let those of you listening know, uh, Drew and I did not discuss this top 25 at all before doing this. This is the first time we have talked to each other about who we've got on this list. So like he was saying, this is really interesting that you've gone with silverware aspect. Uh, one question for you before we go on. Are there any? Is there anyone on this list that doesn't have a trophy? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally for sure. Cool. I'm excited to hear who these people are. Who do you have at 24th? At number 24. All right. I have none other than Pity Martinez. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, like we said, we are both from Atlanta, but I tried my best. And I think I did pretty good of not including that many five stripes in there. And I think that'll become apparent as the list goes on. But yeah, I think Pity. Um, you know, when he came to MLS, running South American Player of the Year, everyone had these incredibly high standards for him, which is understandable with that transfer fee that came along with him. And had no way has he played up to those high standards. Um, and I think MLS in Atlanta is waiting to see what he can do. But when he's not pulling out those worldly goals that we all saw on YouTube, um, he's not doing that type stuff. Everyone assumes he's been in poor form, which I don't think is the case at all. Um, he's been decent, and he's given glimpses of what he can be in MLS, um, but in no way has he lived up to the hype that was given to him coming into the league. Um, but there's really nowhere else to go from here but up, and I think he for sure has the potential to be a top 10 player in MLS. Um, but right now, I think he's been decent, so that gets in my spot. Yeah, and I was hesitant to put him on this list just because I don't think he's produced enough to deserve to be on this list, at least in my opinion. Um, and now now that I think about it, I'm looking at my list, and there are only two players that have played a full season in MLS or less that are on my list. I really did take into account how, how well they've done. And for me, PT hasn't done enough in his time in MLS so far to deserve to be on this list. That being said... 
from a talent point, a uh, talent standpoint. Sorry, I do believe he has an argument to make it in here. And with the way he started off this season, it's just such a shame that the the everything has been suspended. He really was off to an extremely hot start in Atlanta's first few games. So um, I definitely understand why you got him there, uh, even though I might not agree. Now for me, I've got Bradley Wright Phillips at 24th. And this is one of those examples I, I mentioned earlier that I, I really took into account uh, what he's done over his time in MLS because his 2019 season was not good whatsoever. Very, very poor, especially for a player like him. Uh, he had to deal with a lot of injuries, uh, and Red Bulls themselves just didn't have that great of a season compared to what they normally do. That being said, the man has over 100 goals in MLS, and I think he is well-deserving of being on this list for that reason alone. Uh, the fact that for a while there he he had the um, league record for goals in a season before Joseph Martinez and then later on Carlos Vela went on and broke it. Um, the fact that he had that record for a while and just just the amount of goals and how crucial he's been to Red Bulls in their few seasons that he's been with them. Uh, I thought he deserved to be on this list. And who knows, maybe we'll see some more of him whenever MLS comes back. Uh, when when he's got some time to play with LAFC. That's another thing we didn't even get to see. But yeah, I've got him at uh, 24th. Yeah, that's cool. I think I did the exact opposite. Um, I didn't look too far back in what people have done in MLS. I focused more on current form. But even still, I mean, BWP is someone that you always feel like you got to worry about, even if it doesn't look like he's playing high up to the standards that he set for himself. You always need to worry about him. Um, regardless of how he's playing. But yeah, um, on to 20. Yeah, and if we're talking a year before this, a year ago before 2019, uh, he's definitely in the conversation, if not for this this poor recent season. Yeah, for sure. Last year was kind of just a weird bump in the usual consistent uh, Bradley Wright Phillips road. Um, but on to 23, I'm sticking in the Pacific Northwest, I'm sticking with Euro City in Portland. I'm going with none other than Sebastian Blanco. Um, this is one of those guys I talked about that did not have any silverware. But even though he doesn't have that MLS Cup um, in 2018, he was so key in their MLS Cup final run. When they eventually got beat by Atlanta, but even still on that run, he was so big for them. Uh, he got three goals in that playoff time. And again, like Bradley Ray Phillips, he's always one of those guys when you play Portland, whether you go to... Uh, Providence Park, you're hosting them. Sebastian Blanco is always on your mind. He's Mr. Consistent for Portland. Um, is a huge piece in that team. And just between him consistently being someone you have to worry about and his coming up really big in 2018 almost led him to an MLS Cup. Between those two things, he gets my nod um, at number 23, say, in Northwest. Yeah, I think uh, that's a pretty deserving shout. I... When, when I was compiling my list, I honestly just started just jotting down names that jumped out at me. And, and he was one of the names that I threw down, and you're right. He was super instrumental for them in uh, 2018 and their run to the Cup. Um, but, again, for me, I didn't think he had done enough in his short time here. That being said, my next player is one of those two guys I was talking about that had either played a full season or less. For me, at 23, I have Miles Robinson. So this is the, the first defender we've gotten to on my list. Um, and again, I wanted to try to get all positions, and I, I've ended up with five defenders on mine, and he's one of them. He just had such a phenomenal 2019. Um, 
the fact that he ended up third in Defender of the Year voting uh, and was just so good for a team like Atlanta United that uh, won U.S. Open Cup and the fact that he uh, was in almost every single game for them. The only games he didn't appear in were those last, was it three playoff games that Atlanta United played in because he had picked up an injury really late in the season. But up until that point, he had appeared in every single game, and that was in Campiones Cup, which they won. And then he started every single U.S. Open Cup game and even scored a goal in there as well. So I've got Miles Robinson at 23rd on my list. Who do you have at 22nd, Drew? Yeah, and really quickly, um, I do have Miles, Miles Robinson on this list very soon. So I think we, we're in agreement about close to where he needs to be going on this list. So we'll be talking more about him soon. Um, but for number 22, I have none other than Alexander Ring from NYCFC getting away from Atlanta and Portland. Um, but yeah, Alex Ring, he's not going to blow you away with his stats. He's a very box-to-box type midfielder. Um, captain of NYCFC was an all-star in 2018. So I think between the really good year that NYCFC had last year, being first in the East, I think he was a really big part of that. Um, winning the ball back in defense and then getting the ball up to really good players up top, which we will talk more about when we get to this list. So yeah, I think he's a very undersung hero, um, like a lot of box-to-box midfielders are. But yeah, I thought NYCFC was really good last year. Uh, disappointing finish in the playoffs, but finished first in the East for a really good season. And yeah, he gets my nod at the number 22 spot. Yeah, and I'm looking at my list, and I actually only have one New York City FC player that made my list. Uh, that'll be up a little more towards the top. Um, personally, when I think of them, I just think of such a team effort. They, they're they so full of talented players that a lot of the time there's a really one player that stands out, uh, at least to me. But Ring was one of those players. When I did my initial list and just started jotting down a bunch of names, he was one of those guys that, that made it up there, and, and you're absolutely right. He was very... He's very instrumental for that team and and in his leadership and their captain and whatnot. Uh, For me, at 22nd, I've got Graham Zussi from Sporting Kansas City. And again, this was part of my whole, my desire to get representation from all positions. This is the only fullback I have on my list. I think oftentimes, and most people will agree with this, I think, uh, fullbacks are really left out of the conversation when it comes to talking about defenders. And it only felt right to include someone like Zussi, who's been so, so important for his club. Uh, He joined Kansas City all the way back in 2009 and has been an important player for them really since 2011. In that time, he's appeared in, I believe it's eight MLS All-Star games. He was voted to the MLS Best 11 in 2012 and 2013 in back-to-back seasons. Um, and again, kind of like Bradley Wright Phillips, uh, his 2019 wasn't so great. And I really just kind of chalked that up to uh, just sporting Kansas City's really, really poor 2019. That being said, I felt Zussi deserved to be on the list. When you look at the fullbacks around the league, he might not be the most in-form player, but I think he's got a really, really easy argument to be one of the top players. And I think if you if you get a team like Kansas City firing on all cylinders – He's one of those players you can't afford to not have playing. So I've got Graham Zussi uh, for me at 22nd. Yeah, now that I look at it, I'm not sure if I have any fullbacks on my list. I don't think I did a good job of doing evenly distribution across all positions. But um, I thought about pulling Ali Adnan from Vancouver in there. I think he's going to be really good, and he's shown a lot to us so far. So 
But yeah, we do this very differently, and that's totally cool. It's really making for a really interesting list already. Um, but yeah, at 21, a guy that we already talked about, that Josh talked about a lot, um, going back to Atlanta and Miles Robinson. I mean, what more can be said that Josh didn't say? Uh, had a huge season in 2019, um, was a really breakout star, was in contention for Defender of the Year, which I think that speaks for itself, right? Um, yeah, 2019, Atlanta really needed a star center back, and I think he came through when they needed it. Um, it was really big in their U.S. Open Cup run um, and their Campiones Cup victory, and whether you want to call that a championship or not is a different conversation. And I think Atlanta really felt how important he was in their playoff losses with Toronto. Like you mentioned, injuries kind of hurt his season. Um, but yeah, talked about with MLS Defender of the Year. Some people still think he should have won that award, which it's impressive just to be in that uh, group anyway. Um, and getting U.S. Men's National Team call-ups. So yeah, I had an incredible season. Um, really young defender, so it's really encouraging seeing him. So Miles Robinson gets my 21 spot. For me, at 21st, I've got Luis Robles, goalkeeper for Inter-Miami. Uh, only got to play in two games for them, though, with uh, with the league suspending action. Uh, but for many, many years, he is featured for New York Red Bulls, as most people know. Um, and again, kind of similar to Graham Zusia, he's just been so important to Red Bulls and, and those Supporter Shield uh, trophies they won in 2015-2018. Uh, um, and it just seemed, again, I wanted to get some goalkeepers in there, and, and he's one of them. There's only three keepers on this list, and we'll get to that last one uh, a little bit later. But uh, for me, Robles is just so important to Red Bulls, was so important. And uh, the fact that he got named Inter-Miami's first captain, I think that says a lot. And uh, I felt he deserved to be on this list uh, just for how decorated his career has been with uh with his time in MLS. So that's Luis Robles for me at 21st. Yeah, as I'm looking at my list, I don't think I included any goalkeepers either. So really, really different list, but it's all good, and we keep rolling. Um, but yeah, and my number 20, um, like we mentioned earlier, how we're looking at it differently. And this is when I get a little newcomer in. Um, I went to Sporting Kansas City and got newcomer Alan Pulido. Uh, he's joining Sporting Kansas City from Chivas de Guadalajara in Mexico. Um, in his time there, he won Golden Boot in League MX um, and won CCL in 2018 with Chivas, so we know how good he can be. Um, and so far already, in the small sample size we have of him in 2020 in just these two games, he has two goals and an assist so far. So he's already given us a little picture of what to expect if, and unfortunately it's a really big if, obviously with the virus, um, but if play resumes, he is a big name that I think we're going to have to keep an eye out on for Sporting Kansas City, especially, you know, of course, Sporting wants to be the usual SKC where they're contending for MLS Cup. They are contending for that top spot, both in the West and for Supporter Shield. Um, he's going to have to keep up the pace or anything close to the pace. He's keeping up. I don't know if anyone can keep up two goals and assists per game. Um, but, yeah, he gets my 20 spot as a newcomer. Who do you, who do you have rounding up your 20? I've got Michael Bradley at 20th. Um, again, just he's so, so important for his team. Um, and while he's sort of um, aging just a little bit, definitely seemed to have lost a step in 2019 and a bit in 2018, uh, he's still just been so crucial for Toronto. Um, I think his resume really speaks for itself. 
uh, helping Toronto go to MLS Cup in 2016, 2017, 2019. He's one of those players where I feel like if you don't have him in the team, you're automatically behind the eight ball. Um, and obviously, with there only being two games played, we didn't get a really lot. Uh, we didn't really get a lot of that with Toronto, but. He, with his, he's injured. He just had uh, surgery at the beginning of the season. Uh, that being said, I think if this whole season were to play out normally, you'd see a dramatic change from Bradley not playing and Bradley playing with the rest of the team. He's just, honestly, their they're heartbeat in midfield and has just been so important to them and their success ever since he arrived there. So for me, I've got Michael Bradley in at uh, 20th for his contributions to Toronto and the league as a whole. Yeah, I think you always have to remember what he's done for MLS and put his stamp on Toronto. Even though he's on the way out, you still got to remember what he's done. But for my 19, going back to NYCFC, going with Hebert with my 19th spot. The man had 15 goals and four assists in just 22 games last year. Um, and again, like we talked about with Alexander Ring, he put NYCFC, helped put NYCFC in a really good spot going into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think he was by no means the key player in NYCFC's run. We're going to get to that key player uh, pretty high up the list. But yeah, I thought he had a good year, and I thought he was a really big deal um, in their run. Like we talked about, Alexander Ring getting the balls up to pretty dynamic players. I think he was one of those dynamic players. So he gets my spot at 19 for New York City FC. Yeah, I think I think Ebers a really, really good shout on this list. I, I came close to putting him on there, uh, you know, obviously – He's only been in the league for a year, but he was also off to a super hot start for NYCFC with that hat trick. Uh, first MLS player to score a hat trick in the CCL competition. So super impressive from him, and um, I, I think that he was primed for a really, really huge year this year. Possibly MVP contention, but again, just for me, in that one year, he missed out on my list. He's, he's one of those few people uh, missed the cut barely. Uh, for me, at 19th, I'm going to stick to the New York area, and I've got Aaron Long, defender for New York Red Bulls. Um, once again, super important to the team. Um, won defender of the year for MLS in 20, 2018. So he was super huge for them uh, in 2018. Was was really the anchor for a really, really strong backline for Red Bulls and still just one of the best defenders in the league. Could, I think there's an argument to be made that he might be one of the best. Um, and I felt it was only right to include him on this list. And I feel like he's got more of an impact on the game than players like Michael Bradley and, and Luis Robles and some of these guys lower down on the list. Uh, this is another factor for me. It was just impact on team, as you've heard me talk about a lot with uh, the, some of the leadership from these guys. But, yeah, Aaron Long, just really strong player. And, you know, it's super flattering to see a player like him so strongly linked to teams in Europe, specifically Premier League teams. So uh, really, really fantastic player, really super important for his team, uh, one of the best in the league. So that's uh, Aaron Long for me at 19th. Yeah, similar to the Miles Robinson situation. It's a weird thing we have with center backs, um, but Aaron Long shows up pretty soon in my list. But yeah, at 18, I'm um, staying in the Northeast, going to Philadelphia, though, going with the Union, going with Jamiro Montero. Um, really similar to Alexander Ring, he's a pretty box-to-box type midfielder, so he's not going to show up a lot on the stat sheet. You're not going to see him banging in goals or getting assists, but 
still nonetheless, I mean, a really influential player for Philadelphia. And I think he came on with a loan for Philadelphia, and the organization turns around and makes him a DP. So that's a pretty big turnaround. I think that speaks a lot to how good he is and how valuable he is to that team. Um, and I think the East was pretty wide open, which really stinks. For Philadelphia, I thought they had a lot of pieces and they could have made a run with an East that I think was pretty easy to make a run in. So the virus does put a damper on that and what they could have been and what that team could have done this year. But I think if Philadelphia was going to make a run, like some people might have thought they would be, um, I thought Ontario was going to be a really big part of that. Um, so yeah, again, he's a box-to-box, really similar to Alexander Ring, but really important to the organization. And he's going from a loan to a DP is pretty significant change. That speaks how important he is. Yeah, Montero is super important for Philadelphia, and, and you're right. The fact that he was on loan and then they made that a, a designated player deal speaks a lot. And like you said, already had an assist, and I'm pretty sure he was dealing with some injuries in the preseason, so all the more impressive for him. He's another guy that made my initial list of about 50, 55 people before I narrowed it down. Uh, for me at 18th, though, I'd stick in with the defender. Uh, I've got Omar Gonzalez from Toronto, and... The biggest thing for me is his impact on Toronto in 2019. He was signed over the summer transfer window. And in his uh, 14 games with Toronto to end the season, they lost just one time with him in the game. Uh, And before then, Toronto was struggling mightily on defense. So he made a super huge impact. And then if you go back even farther from his time with LA Galaxy... I mean, the man won Defender of the Year in 2011. He won Rookie of the Year in 2009. Four-time MLS Best 11 selection. And uh, three-time MLS Cup champion. Two-time Supporter Shield winner. So, you know, for you with the silverware, this is definitely a strong qualification from Omar Gonzalez. He's pretty much won it all. And this is still factoring in a four-year break from 2015 and 2019 from when he spent time down in Liga MX. So, Really, really important for Toronto FC. Made an impact almost immediately and has tons, tons of success in MLS, uh, even from his limited time there. So that's, for me, Omar Gonzalez at 18th. Yeah, he definitely seems like one of those guys. Wherever he goes, they have success. So he's for sure definitely one of the best. But going to my number 17, I have Aaron Long. Uh, Yeah, we just talked about Josh spoke a lot on how good this guy is. One 2018 MLS Defender of the Year and. That speaks for itself. I had a dip in form last year, but still one of the best young defenders in MLS was really key in the Red Bulls 2018 run to at that record-breaking shield um, and set them up again, set them up really well in playoffs. So I thought Aaron Long was a really key piece to that team and still really young. So he has a very, very bright future ahead of himself. Um, and like you mentioned, yeah, it's really encouraging seeing him have potential to go overseas and play in some big European clubs, not only as MLS product, what's good for the league, but also as a men's national team player for the United States. So really happy to see him there. So he gets my shout at number 17. I've got Kai Kamara at 17th. Um, once again, this is sort of an, an older guy. Uh, he's been playing in MLS for 14 years now, which is just insane. And he's been just about everywhere. He's Played with Columbus, San Jose, Houston, uh, Kansas City, Columbus, New England, Vancouver, currently with Colorado. 
And the thing that is so impressive to me is he scores everywhere he goes. Um, he scored double-digit goals at Colorado, Vancouver before that, New England before that in 2017. And even when he had small dips in form, uh, there were still years where he just really had strong seasons. 2010, Kansas City, 10 goals. 2012, Kansas City, 11 goals. Uh, 2015, with uh, Columbus, he scored 22 goals, was super, super important for them that year. And also tagged on eight assists that season, so 30 goal involvement, super impressive. I think another thing that's overlooked with Kamara, he's a super underrated player in the league, especially for his consistency. He kind of flies under the radar. But if I'm not mistaken, he is third on the all-time goal-scoring list for MLS, just behind Landon Donovan and Chris Wondolowski. So uh, for me, I felt like Kamara doesn't get enough recognition, and it just needs to be said that he's one of the best in the league year in and year out, despite how long he's been playing and all the different teams he's been for. And I really felt like he was going to have another huge role to play for Colorado this year. I mean, the man already scored a goal in the first two games. So there's no surprise there. Wouldn't even be surprised if he got another 10 goals this season. So for me, it's pretty easy to to put Kamara on this list, even if he's not a name that really jumps out at people. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys, when you think of goal scorers, you don't. The first thing that pops in your mind most, most of the time isn't Kai Kamara. But yeah, wherever he's gone, I think teams have felt this impact. So he's really good, I think, deserving of a spot on this list. But my 16, sticking with the goal-scoring thing we got going on here, uh, LAFC, I'm going with Diego Rossi. Uh, this dude, he's so much fun to watch. He's so good. Um, I love watching him play. He's so exciting. Uh, he's only 22, so he's so young, and he's already tearing up. And only two seasons, not counting the two games we played this year, but through full, two full seasons in MLS, he has 28 goals and 16 assists. And like I said, he's only 22, so he's only going up from here. Um, I'm so excited to see this guy grow. I'm not an LAFC fan by any means, but every time they're on, I mean, between him and Vela, that's why they're who they are, right? That's why they're one of the best teams we've ever seen, record-breaking teams. So I feel like he's going to be, you know, a Miguel Amaron 2.0. He's going to leave MLS. He's going to go to Europe. He's going to tear it up. So I love watching him play. He's so exciting. He's so fun. And LAFC's got a good one, so he's my 16. Yeah, that's a that's a super good shout, good inclusion on this list. He he's another one of those guys. One of the first names I thought of. Ultimately, didn't make the list for me, but one of those last cuts. Uh, and he was already impressing this season. It seemed like every time he got the ball on the left wing, he just cut inside, curl one into the far post, like so easily. Bread and butter shot for him, um, making it look really comfortable. Yeah, it was that goal against Club Leon in CCL, and I don't know if it was the clincher or just wanted to pull him back, but like once it left his foot, I was like, dude, what are you doing? And sure enough, it gets in the net, so he's just, he's so much fun to watch. But yeah, anyway, yeah, sorry, yeah, he's your 16 spot. Yeah, he's, he seems to find a way. I, I know the exact goal you're talking about, kind of like a in-between a shot and a cross, but it happened, and it was glorious. Uh, 16 for me is, just mentioned him, Chris Wondolowski, Super worthy inclusion. I mean, the man's got the record for uh, most goals all time in MLS. He scored double-digit goals for every single season, dating all the way back to 2010. Um, I really, really, really hope he gets the proper send-off this year. He's was gonna. He said announced that this was um, going to be his last season playing before retiring, and uh, I just think it would be a 
so amazing, impressive, astonishing, whatever adjective you want to use, for him to score another 10 goals this season. That would be a decade, a decade of 10 goals every single season. I mean, this is the sustained dominance from him. Father Time has not quite caught up to him yet. He's 37 years old. But the fact that he was able to score another 15 goals last year in an entirely new system for a new coach uh, is just phenomenal to me. So incredibly impressive. So definitely deserving uh, to be in this this list. Um, even if, again, he's sort of another under-the-radar guy. Not nearly as much as Kai Kamara, obviously. But, I mean, there's just nothing to not like about Wando. I I dare anyone to find a quality they don't like about him. And so for me, he lands at uh, 16th on this list. Yeah, I think ESPNFC put something out today talking about Tim Howard's ridiculous performance against Belgium. And of course, all the comments were about that one Wondolowski miss. But yeah, he's such a cool guy. He's such an MLS legend. Like you said, he's consistently there. And I think he was hurt one game. And he went spinning in the supporter section watching the game. So that just shows you how cool of a guy he is. Yeah, he was uh, suspended, and I think he'd gotten a red card the week prior in Atlanta. And he spent his time away from the pitch by being in the stands with the supporters, which, again, what's not to like about the guy? I mean, that is just so cool. Like, coolest dude ever. That's a guy I'd love to hang out with. Yeah, yeah, he's so cool. He's one of those guys. I haven't followed MLS long, but even in the short time that I have followed MLS, He's always one of those guys that he's always there. He's always scoring. You always have to worry about him. So, yeah, he's definitely one of the all-time legends in MLS. Um, but, yeah, for 15, I am going to a former LA United player and a former Portland Timber two-time MLS Cup champion, none other than midfielder Darlington Nagby in Columbus. Um, this guy, he, he just never gives the ball up in the midfield. Um, when asked about him, I think it was last year, 2018, when someone asked Leandro Gonzalez Perez, uh, who played for Lane United at the time, about Nagby, he said, you know, he's a guy that we give the ball to and he solves all of our problems. He's a problem solver. And I think that's such a good way of describing Nagby's play. Um, he's not going to grab the headlines with a banger goal or just get an assist. I think he didn't even score a goal his first season in Atlanta when they won the Cup. And I think he got two in 2019, his last season with Atlanta. So, so like that, I mean, he's not gonna grab the headlines you know but he's gonna win the ball back and when the game's going end to end he's good at getting the ball calming it down getting it to players that can put the ball in the net and it works teams know that you need a player like that that's why everyone's after him um that's why he's so important it worked twice for portland and atlanta mls cup and he's in columbus now on this old coach caleb porter so i'm really excited to see what he do at columbus and Maybe he's on his way to winning a third MLS Cup. We'll see if the season returns, if he can get that third one. Yeah, he's a guy that I have a little higher up the list, so we'll spend a little bit more time talking about him later. Uh, for me at 15th, though, I've got um, a former Pacific Northwest uh, adversary, Ozzy Lonzo, who is now with Minnesota United. Um, he is, again, sort of under the radar, sort of underrated player. But he was so crucial to Seattle Sounders' success, uh, winning MLS Cup in 2016, uh, the Supporters' Shields that they've won in the years before that, the U.S. Open Cups they've won, just so, so key for them in all their, their trophy-winning seasons. And he's just, a lot of people describe him as a, as a bulldog in midfield, putting out fires, 
fierce tackling. I mean, he's just, just a fantastic defensive midfielder, and he's one of those guys that jumps out to me, along with who you mentioned earlier, Diego Chara. Just really, really important players for their team. And and while he might not have the crazy stat like Chara does of, you know, 25-plus games uh, in a row uh, of winning with him or whatever or losses without him in the lineup, you know, Alonzo is, is that important. And he was very instrumental in Minnesota's defensive turnaround this past season. And he's a big part of why they finally made the playoffs and made that run all the way to the Open Cup Finals. So, I've got Ozzy Alonso at 15th for just his performance with Seattle over the years and, and carrying that over to Minnesota United last season. Yeah, I was super bummed when Minnesota lost in the playoffs. I'm really excited to see what they're building because I think Minnesota gets very under the radar just because of that 2017 expansion class. People think of Atlanta, um, but I think they're doing some really cool Minnesota, and I'm really excited to see what that team turns into here soon. But at my 14th spot, this is where me and Josh's list gets very different, and I tried avoiding this guy, putting him on my list as much as possible, but I just couldn't do it at my 14th spot. I have another than LA Galaxy newcomer. Uh, only played two games, but I have Chichiri on my list. Oh, no. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's only played two games in MLS, um, and in no way, shape, or form was he impressive in those two games. I mean, he hasn't even won a game in MLS, hasn't scored a goal, hasn't done anything. So in those two games, he wasn't the Chicharito that we know he can be. But I, I couldn't get around. We know how much talent he has. We know how good he can be. Um, and just dealing, seeing him in Europe and dealing with him from a U.S. men's national team perspective, he was so annoying to defend. He's so good. And I think if there was a full season here, we'd be talking a lot about Chicharito and his arrival, what it means for MLS, what it means for the city of Los Angeles having the face of the Mexican national team in our league. So I tried avoiding him putting him on here, but I just can't do it. He gets he gets my 14 spot. Yeah, I mean, when they announced that they finally got him, LA Galaxy that is, I was super excited to see what they would do with their season just from the standpoint of finally having a more team-oriented player up top as opposed to Zlatan. So I was excited to see what they were going to do with Chicharito. And yeah, disappointing first two games. Probably going to get better as the season went along. Hopefully we eventually find out. Uh, but yeah, again, for me, their their actual play in MLS was important to me on this list. Uh, but I totally understand from a, a talent perspective, from a, an experience perspective, putting him on here. So I can't be too upset about that one. Uh, for me at 14th, though, I've got Jordan Morris from Seattle Sounders. And uh, I personally, I'm just so impressed at the way he's changed his game. Uh, for those that don't know, when he got into the league with Seattle, this was in 2016. Uh, so first of all, he won uh, Rookie of the Year, I believe, in that first season. And he started off as a striker uh, on the right wing a little bit for Seattle in those first two seasons. Uh which he had 15 goals, 5 assists across the first two years. Unfortunately, uh, tore his ACL in CCL in 2018, so he didn't get to play for Seattle at all. He came back in 2019 on the left wing uh, due to Seattle's other attackers, and he scored 10 goals, 7 assists, got comeback player of the year. It was really important for the team and their run towards yet another MLS Cup triumph. So, I've got Jordan Morris. I think it's super impressive that 
his year away from the game uh, improved him in getting better at the weaker side of the field, being a right-footed player on the, on the left wing. Um, and he's just gotten so much better. And, and some of that form was carrying over into the U.S. international team as well. So I've got uh, Jordan Morris at 14th. Maybe a little surprising, but felt he deserved to be really high up on the list just for his play. Yeah, when I was making this list, I was debating putting him on there. Um, like you mentioned, that comeback player of the year performance was so impressive and so cool to watch. Um, just as a sports fan, you love watching those stories, right? You love seeing people come back. Um, as a men's national team fan, I mean, he had a lot of buildup and a lot of hype around him. I think justifiably so. He's a really exciting prospect. So seeing him come back like that was so cool, and he's going to be really fun to watch. I think Seattle really likes him. MLS really likes having a young American player like that be so successful. So, yeah, he's definitely deserving on this list and an incredible player. But on my 13th spot, uh, sticking with the new edition theme I got going on, I have none other than Rodolfo Pizarro with uh, Miami. Again, like Chicharito, he's only played two games. But unlike Chicharito, he was very impressive in those two games, I thought. Um, he has scored a goal, so he's broken the MLS goal-scoring barrier that Chicharito has not broken through. Um, so yeah, he's only played in two games, but he, I thought he was really impressive in those two games. So we have reason to think that he's going to be something special in MLS. Um, he came from Monterey in Mexico, has won a Liga MX, so he knows how to win. And I think Miami had a really exciting feel to it as an expansion team um, based on just the quality of the team that we think they're going to put on the field. And I think he was a large part of that. Um, a really exciting feel around him. Fans and Miami and fans and MLS were really excited about seeing what he was going to do um, in the league. So, yeah, he's only played two games, but I was really excited to watch him play. I'm a lot of hype surrounding his name and that team's name. And I thought in those two games he lived up to it as much as anyone could. Um, again, it really stinks that we're not getting to see him week in and week out like we thought we would. But again, like Chicharito, I think if we were having a normal full season, we'd be talking a lot more about Pizarro than we are right now. We'd have a lot more to work with. So, yeah, again, not a lot of MLS action, but I think just his experience outside of MLS and winning in such a good league like Liga MX gets him a spot on my list. And I mean, 13 right now, I think he has potential to be a really good player in MLS. Um, yeah, this little barrier between the Mexican League and here in MLS is the transfers are moving like crazy, and he's just another product of that, and I think it was going to be really exciting to watch him play this year. Yeah, he's a, another super talented player, and, and the influx of talent this past offseason, I think, was going to be and hopefully will still be a really significant storyline uh, for the league as it progresses in its 25th season. For me, at 13th, I've got Stefan Fry. Sticking with the Seattle Sounders. Um, and that's another funny thing about this list. I found myself going to the Pacific Northwest a lot for those uh, Portland-Seattle players. But again, I wanted to include goalkeepers on this list. And I personally, I believe he's the best goalkeeper in the game right now. Uh, he's still in the prime of his career. Definitely most uh, most known, best known for his save in MLS Cup in, uh, in, in 20, I think it was 16 uh, yeah, 2016, when they triumphed over uh, Toronto. So he's just been super important for Seattle. I think he's still, you know, week in and week out. He's a, he's a goalkeeper and a player that you can count on, uh, especially for a team that's so successful like Seattle. 
and he's just there to guide the back line no matter who's on there and uh he's always a guy that can can bail you out if you're ever in a, in a situation that you need it so individually i think he's a little bit more influential of a player than the couple players below him on the list jordan morris ozzy alonso uh, wando so i got stefan fry in at 13th and uh, who do you have for 12th uh, for my 12th spot, I'm getting out of Portland and Seattle. Sorry, Cascadia friends, but we're getting out of there. Uh, I'm going to Boston. I'm going with the New England Revolution. I'm going with Gustavo Bo. Uh, he hasn't been with the Revolution long. Um, he got to New England in late July last season um, and helped lead him to the playoffs. In, in only 14 games that we got to see him last year, he got nine goals and two assists. So, I mean, that was just a small sample size, but that was really impressive. Um, and he helped get New England their first playoff burst in 2015 um, alongside another player that I mentioned here shortly. So I was really excited to see him, um, and specifically New England. Um, I think they're turning in the right direction. Last year was a picture of that, so getting to see him. He was really impressive in the short little span that we got him in. Um, so yeah, uh, Gustavo Bo gets my 12th spot. Um, again, a bummer. I think the East is pretty wide open. So I was excited to see what New England was going to do. And I think if they were going to make a run, Gustavo was for sure going to have to be an impact on that. Yeah, even for a newcomer, I think that's a pretty solid shout. He did have such a huge season, however short it was, with New England. became quickly influential for them. Uh, For me, I've got a much more well-known player at 12th, still sticking in that Pacific Northwest. I've got Diego Valeri from Portland. Um, Not much that needs to be said about him. A fantastic player, super influential again for Portland, helped lead them to that uh, MLS Cup in 2015. Uh, he won MLS Cup MVP that season as well. He won Newcomer of the Year in 2013, MLS MVP in 2017, and uh, he's been named to the MLS Best 11 three times, and he's been uh, named an MLS All-Star four times. So just a, another really fantastic player. He is by definition, the heart and soul of, of Portland Timbers. He's such an important player for the team and in the community. Um, and again, his form kind of dipped a little bit last year. And I say that, but if you look at the numbers, he still managed 24 goal involvements. He had eight goals and 16 assists, which is an insane number. Um, and even in 2020 through... Just 150 minutes, he already had two goals. So he's such a really key part for Portland and and still easily one of the best players in the league. And uh, for me, I've got him at 12th. Again, his influence on the team is, I think, diminishing just a little bit. It's kind of reflected in the whole, he's not a designated player anymore. He's bumped down to a TAM-level player. But either way, still such an important key piece for Portland Timbers, so I've got Diego Valeri there at 12th. Yeah, as I'm looking at my list now, I honestly can't believe I didn't put him on here. Like, he's he's so good to watch. He's so much fun. Um, and I think MLS was doing this, like, Matt Rushmore for all the clubs, and Valeri was, like, the one consistent guy on all of those. So when you think about the Portland Timbers, you have to think about Diego Valeri. And he's one of those... Yeah, he's an easy choice for them. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those players that, like... I can't see in another jersey besides the Portland Timbers. So Portland loves him, um, and he's been really influential in that city. So Portland loves him, and yeah, it would be weird to see him in anything besides that green and gold of Portland. But yeah, going on, 
to 11. Uh, I'm sticking with my young guns here. I'm going to the Los Angeles Galaxy and Christian Pavone. Um, again, haven't seen too much of him, but we saw 13 games of him last year. And in those 13 games, he had four goals and eight assists. So he's almost averaging at least a goal and an assist per game. Um, and then he doesn't have any silverware with him, but he did score a goal in the playoffs. So when um, the Galaxy needed him most, he was there, I felt like. So I thought he was going to be a really big deal for the Galaxy this year. Um, really exciting look to their season. And as hard as it may be to replace Slatin Ibrahimovic, and you might not be able to replace the personality of Ibrahimovic by any means. I thought Pavone was going to be really influential for the Galaxy this year. And in those 13 games, I mean, yeah, almost getting a goal or an assist per game is pretty outstanding. So if he was able to keep anything close to that pace, I thought the Galaxy would be good. So that's why I gave him my 11 spot. Yeah, he's another guy that I came close to putting on my list. Um, and, and like you said, what was it, 13 games, four goals, eight assists? That's insane. I mean, averaging almost a goal involvement a game is super, super, super impressive. And, uh, you know, I was super excited to see what he was going to do with Galaxy this year and his partnership with Chicharito and, and the rest of that really strong Galaxy attack. He already scored that banger of a goal to open the season against Houston, um, which it was really cool. And I feel like not many people were surprised that he did that just because it's what you'd come to expect out of a player like Pavone. So that's a really good shout. Um, for me, I couldn't think of a more opposite type player. I've got a defender and it's Ike Opara from Minnesota United. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier with Ozzy Alonso's impact on Minnesota, um, Ike was probably the most important in that respect for Minnesota finally making the playoffs in the run that they had. And winning uh, Defender of the Year again is just really jumps out at me as, as being really, really impressive. That's two Defender of the Year awards in just a span of three years. And you ask any Kansas City fan – and they'll just go on and on about how important he was for Kansas City and his time there. So for him to be so impressive all those years at, at, at Sporting KC and transfer that over to Minnesota United, uh, I think is it says a lot about the talent that he has and, and just how good of a defender he is in this league. And uh, he already got off to a super hot start this season. He already had two goals in two games. So Oparo was probably going to, fight for another Defender of the Year, and, and so far a golden boot run, perhaps. But uh, he's coming in at 11th for me. Just best defender in the game right now. I think it's hard to argue against that. And a uh, really, really important player for an up-and-coming team in the league. Yeah, I have Ike Opara um, up on my list as well. We get to him pretty soon on my list, so we'll talk more about him. Um, but getting to the top 10, I have another young gun. I am staying in Los Angeles. Um, I'm going with Edward Atuesta. Um, with LAFC again he's one of those guys very defensive midfielder he's not going to grab all the headlines and when you think of LAFC that's not the name you think of for sure you're thinking Vela and Rossi but nonetheless he's still so influential that team and was such a big deal to one of their to their record-breaking season Um, and our site expert Andrew actually wrote a really good article on the website so I really do encourage you guys to check it out Um, it's about LFC's comeback versus uh, Club Leon and CCL. And Atuesta came back for like two when they made the comeback. Um, and he had something like a 90% percent 
passing accuracy and that comeback. So that's just a small piece of how important he is to that team. When he's on, the team is on. And he was on when they needed it the most and it pulled off a really great comeback um, for themselves and just a really good look for MLS. So he's really young um, too, so I think he has a really exciting future, whether he sticks in LA or whether he goes somewhere else. Um, LAFC is going to want to hold on to for Rock, so how good he is. But yeah, a twist against my 10 spot. Yeah, fantastic player, super important for LAFC. And, and like you were saying, kind of one of the unspoken heroes for them. Uh, for me, I've got a very obvious choice, I think, in terms of his personality and his importance to his club. At 10, for me, I've got Josie Altador, attacker, striker for Toronto FC. Uh, most people know who that is, hopefully. Um, and again, as part of my kind of criteria for this list, just sort of the impact he's had on uh, Toronto and the, and the time that he's been there is substantial. Um, unfortunately, he's been hurt for a fair amount of it, but I think if you put Jose Altidore out on a on a soccer pitch, soccer field, whatever, he's he's going to make an impact no matter what it is. And, and we got a glimpse of that in MLS Cup 2019. He was only on the field for a total of 22 minutes in all of the playoffs. It was the final 22 minutes of MLS Cup, and he scored a goal on one shot. So you want to find a player that's super influential for his team and has a really strong resume just one of the top strikers in the league right now. And for me, it's Josie Altador. Uh, hopefully he can have a nice stretch where he's healthy and productive. Um, but that being said, I, it was easy for me to include him on this list just again, because of his impact and his just raw talent and goal scoring ability. So I've got uh, Josie Altador at 10. Yeah. Yeah. He's for sure deserving of a spot on this list. I think he's been, really consistent forces on a really consistent Toronto team that has kind of shown up now as a team you can always look to to make a run to MLS Cup out of the East. So, yeah, definitely go see Outstore. A uh, good shout for um, a spot on this list. But getting to number nine, I'm going back to the Pacific Northwest. I'm going with Raul Ruiz Diaz. Um, specifically, what sticks out to me to put him in this nine-hole is going back to the silverware thing that we talked about earlier. This guy has his MLS Cup. Um, in 2019, not only does he have that championship, but he was so big for Seattle when they needed it most on their way to winning MLS Cup 2019. I'm specifically aiming at his performance at Los Angeles and Bank of California Stadium against LAFC. Um, a record-breaking team going in there and scored two goals in that stadium, which getting out of there with a win is hard enough, and putting in a performance like that is almost unthinkable in such a hostile environment against such a good team. Um, in a game where you had to win, you had no choice. Um, there wasn't the usual get a point and get out of there. You had to come out with a win or you were done. So he came up for his team when they needed it more than ever. Um, and yeah, he was huge and that propelled him to a 2019 MLS Cup championship. So he came up big when he needed to and that for sure gives him a nine hole of one of the best players in MLS. Yeah, we'll. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say we'll be talking about him again very, very, very soon. But before we get to him, for me, at my number nine, I had Jonah Dos Santos from LA Galaxy, um, which definitely, I, even I would say, an interesting choice. I mean, you've got, you've already mentioned Christian Pavone, um, and I think Jonah Dos Santos is kind of, and, and you mentioned Chicharito, I think Jonah Dos Santos is a really, really important player for the team, uh, more so than people realize. Um to me, he really jumped out at me 
in one of the El Traficos last year. I think it was the second one in at LAFC, Bank of California Stadium. Uh, that ended in a 3-3 draw. But Dos Santos was everywhere, putting out fires, helping initiate counterattacks for the Galaxy. He just, that was the first time I'd really seen him break out in a game like that, uh, at least when I was watching. But he's already been so important for the Mexican national team and was already an important player for the Galaxy. But I think he's even more important, like I said, than, than people really realize. So I felt like I had to include him really high up on this list. I think he's so much more influential than all the other guys that we've mentioned so far. Uh, maybe not quite as talented or impressive as some of the players up a little bit farther up on the list, but just on his importance alone for Galaxy and, and his talent, uh, it felt right to include him there. So I've got Jonah DeSantos at ninth. To quickly jump to eighth, that's where I have Raul Ruiz Diaz. So we were actually really, really close on putting that one in the same spot. I'm with you, Ruiz Diaz is just so crucial for Seattle's playoff success uh, last year. And it was really cool to watch him become almost another player in the playoffs. Just a stone-cold killer. I mean, the dude has ice in his veins. And it almost felt like single-handedly he took out LAFC with those goals that he had against them in the conference finals. So really, really similar to you, Drew. You had Rudy Diaz at ninth. I've got Rudy Diaz at eighth, just above Jonah DeSantos. Yeah, I think as we're getting closer to this number one spot, our lists are getting more and more similar because I have Dos Santos up here as well. So that's getting cool as we're getting up there. Um, but my number eight spot, a player that you just mentioned not long ago, I'm going with Ike Parra with um, Minnesota United. Um, 2019 MLS Defender of the Year, he has more than one of those. So that, that speaks for itself, right? I mean, winning that award once is hard enough, so winning it twice, you're talking uh, really, really top-tier defender, a class of its own. Um, and again, part of Minnesota's really cool um, momentum that they were building in MLS, um, I think he was a really big part of it, um, took Minnesota United from allowing 71 goals to 43 goals in just one season. So again, that's pretty incredible. Um, yeah, so I think he's one of the best players in MLS, so he gets my eight spot. Um, but yeah, moving to number seven, I'm going back to Boston, talking um, with New England Revolution, going with Carlos Heel. Um, going back to Gustavo, who I had in my 12th spot, I thought Carlos, um, me and won 2019 MLS Newcomer of the Year. So again, another one of those awards where you kind of just got to take it and you know that he's something special, but specifically with him and Gustavo, I was really excited to see that tag team duo, um, and what they were going to do this year, the revolution. I was so pumped to watch them this year. So I'm really bummed out. And really am waiting for MLS to return. But when it, if it if and when it does return, I think we're going to have to keep our eye on Carlos and Gustavo in New England. Um, that's going to be a fun duo. And when you know he was there for the whole year, and I think when he got a player like Gustavo in late to mid-July, whenever that transfer happened, that was just the icing on the cake um, to give him that second really good player that could push this team um, to a playoff spot. They got beat by Atlanta, but just making the playoffs is good for them. So he gets my seventh spot. Yeah, Heal was uh, a guy, again, he's one of the first names I thought of of putting on this list. And, and like you said, newcomer of the year, just that alone speaks to his talent and his influence on the team. So like you, I'm excited to see him and what he can bring to the revolution for hopefully a few years to come. Uh, but at seven for me, you already mentioned him. But Darlington Nagby, um, again, 
like you said, just a fantastic midfielder and, and guy who puts out fires and really controls the pace of games. And it's, it's nice to see him, it seems like, start to get some of the recognition he deserves for the type of midfielder he is, which is a press-resistant, just dominating possession midfielder. And uh, I, I thought that he, because of how special he is for his position, that's why I have him so high up at, uh, at seventh. So for me, that's Darlington Nagby. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and jump up to sixth real quick because it's, again, another player you mentioned, Diego Chara. Uh, you had him at, I think it was 25th. This is how important I think Chara is to Portland. And the, the thing that really jumps out to me from a, a spectator standpoint for, from seeing Chara play, he's the only human being I've ever seen run down Miguel Almiron in the open field. And he did it in MLS Cup in 2018 from behind. I mean, he was a good four or five steps behind Almiron when they when they took off running. And he chased him all the way down and tackled him and got the ball. I mean, just talk about impressive and just outstanding players. So I we both have Char on the list, which I think is fantastic. He's another sometimes, I think, underrated player because of his position on the field. But I've got Diego Char at six just Fantastic midfielder, again, super important to Portland. And while we've talked about them so much, I am a little sad that I wasn't more of a follower in the league about five years ago because that's when Portland had Chara, Nagby, and Valeri in the same midfield. I would I would love to see them play together again. I think it'd be super intriguing. That's just three outstanding midfielders, and I, I'm disappointed I didn't get to watch them all those years ago. But... That's who I've got at sixth, uh, Diego Chara from Portland. Yeah, yeah, I remember that that rundown you're talking about because I, I remember. Side note: If we were having this conversation in 2018, I think I'd put Miguel Almiron as my number one spot. So seeing him run down someone that good but that much speed was so impressive. Um, and yeah, he was really a big deal in that 2015 MLS Cup run. Which I don't know if you've seen that 2015 MLS Cup. That was one of the first matches I watched in MLS. That was like the most boring final and the worst final ever just weird goals all around so i don't know if you've seen the highlights but don't watch them it was it was a weird game but portland got their mls cup and they love it so credit to the timbers 2015 mls cup champs and he was definitely a big deal in that run um but in my sixth spot i have a player that we talked about not too long ago i have jonathan dos santos with the galaxy um specifically because i think he's just a flexible player and i think flexibility is so important on a team um, of any caliber, especially um, with such really good players and high-profile names that the Galaxy have, being able to take a player from one position to another and still get a really good performance is invaluable to a team. And I think he's really good at that, good at moving around the field wherever is needed um, on a team or on a game-by-game basis. But their injuries, suspensions, I think you can kind of throw him all over the field. He's going to be one of the better players on the field. So I really value that in a player. Um, yeah, two-time MLS All-Star in 2018 and 2019. Um, had that really awesome goal in the 2019 MLS Cup playoff. So we can get it done in the postseason. So yeah, he gets my number six spot. All right, and it seems like now we're getting into our top fives. Yes! Which I am excited about. I have a feeling our top two for sure will be the same, and I, I, I'm not totally sure as we've progressed through this list if we're going to have the same exact top five. But for me... This is that NYCFC player I was talking about earlier, and that's Maxi Morales. I've got him in there at fifth. Uh, 
again, sort of running with the theme for me is he's just, when I think of NYCFC, I said it earlier, I think of a really team-oriented approach. But if there's one player they can absolutely not play without, it's Maxi Morales. He's just so incredibly important to that team. And for him to record 20 assists last season after getting 16 the season before that, super, super impressive. He's just got great stats across the board. Uh, I I won't go as far as to say he's a really underrated player. I do think he's maybe not talked about as much as maybe guys like uh, Valeri, uh, people even like PT, I think, to an extent. Uh, and there's a couple other attacking midfielders I have on this list, but I don't want to say their names just quite yet. But for me, Morales gets that fifth spot coming off a really, really great season. And he's just so incredibly crucial for New York City FC. Who do you have starting your top five? Starting my top five in none other than Alejandro Pasuelo uh, with Toronto FC. Um, yeah, he's a pretty incredible player. Uh, hasn't been in MLS very long, but what we have seen of him in MLS has been really cool and really outstanding. Um, 12 goals and 12 assists in last year's regular season. Um, and from the beginning, I mean, that first game, he had two worldies. So, I mean, that set the tone pretty quick, and little did we know what he was going to do for the rest of the year. And I think everyone was interested to see what Toronto was going to do trying to replace Sebastian Giovinco. Um, you don't replace a talent like that very easily. But I think Pasuelo filled those shoes as well as anyone could ask, if not better. So he did an incredible job for Toronto, leading them to uh, 2019 MLS Cup, where eventually they lost. But he was a really big deal in their playoffs, getting two goals and three assists in that playoff run. So it was really good seeing him fill Giovinco's shoes really well. Um, I think he was probably the most influential player, um, getting Toronto to that run and helping keep this little tradition of winning they got going on in Toronto. So he's my five, but jumping really quick, number four, a player we mentioned not too long ago, uh, Maxi Morales. I mean, 20 assists in a season, like that gets you an automatic shot, I think, in the top five for sure. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, 20 assists in a season. That's second most to Carlos Valderrama's 26 assists in 2000 with the Tampa Bay Mutiny. Um, so this guy is something special for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, 20 assists, that speaks for itself, right? I think he was the most influential player for New York City FC in a really good year for them. I'm getting first in the East. And yeah, so he gets my number four spot. And coming at four for me is saying in that uh, the, the midfielder discussion, I've got Nico Ladero from Seattle Sounders. Uh, in a similar way to Valeri and his importance to Portland, same for Ladero in Seattle. Uh, it's talked about a lot. But I think it needs to be said again. Uh, for him to come in to Seattle midseason back in 2016 and to have the impact that he had on that team, helping lead them all the way to MLS Cup and the sustained success that they've had in his time there, uh, I think it's, it's super important and super worth talking about. So for me, I've got Ladero in fourth. And it's, it's funny, you know, you look at his stats and they don't really jump out at you. But if you watch him and his influence in any Seattle Sounders game, he, he is an extremely important cog. I would go as far as to say the most important player on that team. And that's coming from a guy that has already put multiple other Sounders players on this list and former Sounders players. But to me, Ladero takes that, that top Sounders player spot and he comes in fourth for me. Just an incredibly crucial player. One of the most talented in the league. And for me... 
on the international stage. It's really cool to see him represent Uruguay, one of the best teams in the world, so consistently, especially for a region in South America that doesn't quite value a league like MLS. So it's really cool. His talent just supersedes all that. So I've got Ladera at fourth. And uh, jumping ahead to third real quick for me, you already mentioned him, Alejandro Pozuelo. Like I said at the beginning, I, I took into account MLS tenure a lot, and he didn't even play a full season. But he is just so incredibly talented that it totally supersedes my criteria. You're right. You talk about an entrance into this league. I mean, he he had it all. He had that, that chip goal, I think it was, and... If I'm not mistaken, he also did a Panenka on, I think it was New York City's Sean Johnson. Just embarrassed him. And then he did it again in the playoffs in the same season. Pasuelo, incredible player. Really bummed that we haven't gotten to see him yet this season other than the, uh, the two games the beginning of the year. He's a guy that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing more of. Um, and just a really, really, really fun player to watch. And Even though he had only played... It was uh, 30 games last year, joined after the season began. Doesn't matter to me. Too good did not include in at third. So that's Alejandro Pozuelo from Toronto. You had him at fifth. I had him at third. Who do you have at third, Drew? Yeah, my number three player is someone that I think you just had at number four, um, Nicholas Ladero. Um, obviously, yeah, I mean, we know how good he is. Going back to the Silverware thing, the guy has two MLS Cups. But specifically, I want to focus on that 2016 MLS Cup run. I mean, you look at where Seattle was at the start of the season and then eventually ending up as champions. You have to look at the signing of Nicholas Ladero as the major turnaround of that season. So not only did he get in that playoff berth and was crucial, but when he got to the playoffs, the guy had four goals in six matches on the way to their first MLS Cup. So he was able to get him there, and then he was crucial when he had to be crucial. And like you said, I mean, it's so cool having a player like that in MLS representing a really good country like Uruguay um, on the international stage. So he's such a good player for this league. And yeah, dominant and really influential in getting those two championships. Um, and I think it says a lot, even though we do this differently in our list, it says a lot that in a team like Seattle, we both have Ladero as our top sounder. For sure. And before we get to our, our top two, which I'm about 99% sure is the same in the same order. Definitely the same two players. I think it's hard to argue against that top two. I think it speaks a lot about these top five players that you and I had such different perspectives and criteria on this list, and yet we have still arrived at the same top five players in MLS right now. It just says a lot about these these five guys and how incredibly talented they are, how important to their team they are, the flash, the talent. There's just pure playing that they that they have out on the field just just great players all the way around so I, I think it's really cool that we have arrived at ultimate this ultimately the same spot with these five players but without further ado who do you have in second place my number two and this is where i'm going to get in a lot of trouble but my number two i have none other than the man himself carlos vela oh wow i am a I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised. Even even with our, our Atlanta background and how much we, we talk about the other guy. Um, uh, yeah. You know, it, it's going back to that silverware thing that we mentioned earlier. I love silverware. And the man, he just doesn't have an MLS Cup. He's got that cool supporter shield. But for me, I mean, it's all about MLS Cup. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, what can you say about him that hasn't already been said? The dude's incredible. You know, one of the best in the league. You could argue the best in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, he's got like 48 goals in his first two seasons. Um, and he looked like he was off to another really good season this year, a good start. And to his credit, though, um, the non-MLS Cup wasn't his fault. He did have two goals in the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about MLS Cup for me. So him not having that, that's what puts him at my number two spot. Yeah, you know, that I I definitely understand from that standpoint, the whole silverware standpoint, he hasn't quite gotten there with MLS Cup. And I think he'd definitely be a favorite along with the rest of his team and LAFC to, to get the cup this year. Uh, but, yeah, I do not have Vela in second. I have Joseph Martinez in second. No. And, I yeah, I, I I had to do it. I And the real tiebreak here came down to just them as players individually. I think that as great as Joseph is, and don't get me wrong, I love him to death, um, Vela is just able to influence the game more, and I think that's where he gets that slight edge. Uh, you said it best. He had 48 goals in the first two seasons, which is impressive on its own. But when you look at his 2019 season alone, the fact that he had 49 goal involvements, shattering Giovinco's record from a few years before, it just speaks to how talented he is and, and how great of a player he is. And, and I think it's worth noting that, yeah, he's on the best team in the league, right? LAFC is arguably right now the best team in the league. And they, they showed it with the points they accrued last season. And that does go a long way in Vela's production. But again, you just watch him and you can see that he could probably do it on his own. He doesn't really need all those extra players around him. Obviously, it helps. But he's just so incredibly talented by himself. And it's also, I think, worth mentioning that throughout these three seasons and 59 games started he already has 50 goals and then the other 28 assists to tack on to that so he's averaging more than a goal or assist per game that's 61 games played 78 goals and assists Uh, just phenomenal so for me he gets the slight edge over joseph just because of his impact he can have on a single game why is mls cup the only reason you have Joseph over Vela? I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it's a big deal. And yeah, Joseph is my number one. I wasn't going to pull a fast one and say, like, Brad Guzan or something. So yeah, Joseph is my number one. But yeah, I mean, what can you say about the guy that hasn't already been said? Like, 77 goals through his first three seasons. Um, I mean, he was the Carlos Vela before Carlos Vela was here, breaking the goal-scoring record um, before Vela came in and broke it. So I mean, both guys do offer unbelievable video game-type stats. But the one thing Joseph offers that Vela does not are those trophies. Um, he's got the MLS Cup. He's got a U.S. Open Cup, which we can't forget, two major trophies uh, in U.S. soccer. And he's got that Campionates Cup kind of just thrown in there, but that's a different thing. Um, so, I mean, having that trophy, those trophies, um, I think that's what sets him apart from Carlos Vela. Um, but, like, again, I mean, they're both unrealistic, at least stats, and it's kind of hard to believe that these two players are performing and where they're at. But not only was Joseph big in, you know, not only does he have a silverware, but he was so big in getting there. He wasn't just sitting on the sidelines hanging out. 
I mean, at 2018 MLS Cup run, he had four goals and an assist in those five games on their way to winning 2018 MLS Cup. So, I mean, he stepped up when his team needed him the most. Um, and even in this last playoff run against Toronto, um, when they lost to Toronto Eastern Conference Finals, he had a goal. Um, so it didn't end in an MLS Cup, but he's getting his team to the playoffs. He's in, He's the face of the franchise, right? That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be that consistently performing player for your team um, in a crazy offseason like Atlanta had. He was you know, he's a consistent face, and he's got him silverware, and that's what gets him that number one spot for me over Vela. Yeah, I think uh, at the end of the day, super valid argument to put him over. And, you know, as we're having this discussion, I'm thinking about what is it going to be like 10 years from now when both of these guys are, are most likely out of the league altogether. I, I think it's going to be a fun conversation, discussion to have looking back on these two players and their time in the league together and, and really look at who's the better player because – I think both right now are on a trajectory to start inserting themselves in the conversation for best players in MLS all time. We need some more time, I think. Collectively, they've only spent uh, five full seasons in MLS between the two of them, so we're not ready to have that conversation yet. But I do think down the road from now, if these guys continue at this rate, it's going to be a really interesting and really fun conversation to have about which one of these was better in their time in MLS. They're just... Honestly, I think these two guys are just on a whole separate level from the rest of these players that we've been talking about throughout this podcast. So, Velo Martinez, I, I think it's fair enough that you and I had them at top two and, and even flipped. Just two phenomenal players, clearly best in the league. No contest there. Yeah, I think it's so cool for the league um, having these two really good players in at the same time. And yeah, it sparks a lot of really fun debate about... Um, who's the best in the league. I think both of them have really rightful claims to that best in league throne. Um, so yeah, it's really awesome seeing these guys play at the same time um, in different conferences too. That makes a really cool matchup, the potential for both of them meeting in MLS cup. That would be a really fun final that I think we're all kind of, kind of waiting to see that um, maybe that'll come one day. But yeah, I think, you know, it's so cool for the league as we're celebrating 25 years of MLS seeing these guys do some outstanding and ridiculous things that you wouldn't think possible from MLS. You know, from watching the games earlier today, the last thing, you know, some of the things these guys are doing, you wouldn't imagine. Like, you have, like, Vela's goal versus San Jose where he jukes out the whole team and stuff like that. I mean, that's just incredible to think about. These two really high-profile guys in the league, you know, with Vela and with the Mexican national team and everything that that entails in Major League Soccer um, is so good having these guys in the league. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, when they do leave, um, whether it's transfer or just retire, it's going to be really interesting to see how people remember these guys and who is better in their time here. And I think they do both still have some silverware left in them. I think LAFC is going to break down that championship barrier sooner rather than later. And I think Atlanta has got some more championships in them. But it might be who breaks that CCL barrier first between if one of them wins it and the other one doesn't and maybe that'll be a big deal as far as who's better yeah for sure that could uh i could definitely be a, a tie break sort of situation in the conversation but yeah that is our top 25 mls players in the league right now 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, I know it's pretty crazy times right now, so we really do hope that listening to soccer, talking about soccer is helping get through some of this stuff. Um, and yeah, if you don't agree with us, that's fine. Uh, make your own list. Make your own top 25. Be sure to share with us. Uh, get mad at us on Twitter. Start some debates. We got a lot of time on our hands. So yeah, be sure um, make your own top 25 list. Let us know. And yeah, hopefully that can help. You know, some crazy times help keep the keep the time passing for us. Yeah, give us those. Uh, give us some arguments on on Twitter. That could definitely give us all something to do while we quarantine ourselves and give us something to pass the time. I uh, just want to also add, uh, look out on the website. Uh, there will be, um, I hopefully by the time this podcast is posted, I will have a little bit more in-depth on my 25 um, put out. Um, and I'm, I'm not totally sure, but there might be some other contributors for the website throwing out their top 25 players or, or something similar. So be on the lookout for that. Please find us on Twitter and uh, pick fights with us on what you agree with, disagree with, players that we all together forgot. Uh, I would love to to hear some feedback on that, and um, uh, we would we would all welcome the entertainment. Yeah, so be sure to do the all caps yelling at us on Twitter about your list. Um, you can find us on Twitter myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. Um, and Josh at, at Josh underscore Boland. Um, and MLS Multiplex at MLS Multiplex. Um, yeah, like Josh said, be sure to be checking out the website. Um, still cranking out a lot of really great written articles during this downtime. So yeah, be sure to give us a follow on social media. Uh, share with us your top 25. Um, be reading, checking out the website. Be reading out some stuff. Writers are getting some really awesome stuff out. Um, and yeah, let us know your top 25. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. You can check out all the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.